everybody, and welcome to the conversation where we intend to destigmatize the conversation around cannabis and, quite frankly, set the record straight on this powerful plant. I am your host, Dave Briggs, former CNN, NBC Sports, Fox News anchor, as well as host at Turner Sports. Any questions, concerns, or comments, you can find me at Dave Briggs TV on Instagram. And the Tokyo Olympics are now underway with COVID, of course as the backdrop, but cannabis in the center of that conversation, who better to talk about all of that with than a 2000 Olympian in the triathlon. She is a doctor. She is an author of the champion mindset, and she is the CEO of the Canna Research Foundation, Dr. Joanna Zeiger. Doctor, great to see you. I want to talk about COVID and the Olympics and of course, cannabis, but I have to ask you, an epidemiologist who was vaccinated and still tested positive for COVID-19, number one, how are you feeling? Number two, does it change the way you think about the vaccinations? Uh, well, hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on. A uh, lot, of, lot of questions thrown at me at once. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I am, am currently um, convalescing from COVID. Um, I... Uh, had it um, about two weeks in now and still feeling uh, not as rotten as I was. I mean, there was a time there where I thought I was dying. I mean, it, it is the worst illness I have ever had. Um, I am vaccinated and have been since March. I'm uh, very pro-vaccine. I think that it uh, is really the, the way that we're going to eradicate this or at least make it less onerous than it has been. Uh, I am immunocompromised. I have a very rare genetic condition. And uh, because of this condition that I have, I'm on medications that um, you know, compromise immune system. And so the vaccine likely isn't as effective in immunocompromised people. But that being said, I still believe in the vaccine because they told me when I went to the hospital to get the monoclonal antibodies that having the vaccine likely saved my life. Um, so the vaccine itself, while it doesn't always prevent getting COVID, it will make the illness less severe. And most of the people right now who are hospitalized and having the most um, severe of symptoms and are dying are the ones that are unvaccinated. So somewhere around 95% of hospitalizations are in unvaccinated people. Well, this is a cannabis show, but I am 100% in your corner on that. I think vaccinations and herd immunity are the only way out of this. And I wish there was a little more concern for the common good, but we could spend hours talking about the misinformation that's out there on the vaccination. It's nice to hear you set the record straight and hopefully you can do that on cannabis as well. Wanna switch over to the Olympics and COVID really was the backdrop of all that because of course they were postponed and then there were no fans in Tokyo. There were cardboard beds. There was so many stories leading up to the games about COVID. Do you think that will still be the story coming out of the Olympics? I think it's too early to tell what the story coming out of the Olympics will be. Uh, certainly COVID has been all anybody wants to talk about. It's very reminiscent of the Zika virus before the Rio Olympics. And it seems like every right. Olympics has their something, you know, Beijing, it was the smog. And, you know, and so there, there's just, uh, there's always controversy around the Olympics. And then once the Olympics come around, everyone gets enthralled by the 
incredible sports people that are out there putting everything on the line. So yeah, I think COVID is going to be something that will be on the forefront, especially as people test positive, which they already have and probably will continue to do so. But now that the Olympics are underway and the athletes have their chance to shine, hopefully that will become the stories that people talk about. Yeah, I remember Sochi, all anyone could talk about was the hotels and people being stuck in the elevators. And by the times the, the games got underway, that's largely just social media generated uh, buzz. So I mentioned you were a 2000 Olympian in the triathlon. Um, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the Sha'Carri Richardson suspension, which is one of the big stories coming in. She, of course, took an edible, tested positive during the trials. She had just been told her mother had passed away by a reporter. Um, let's just start with the decision. I suppose a rule's a rule, but what was your reaction to the suspension? Well... I'm going to start by saying that I do not think that THC should be on the water list. So I, I don't think that cannabis should be banned in the first place. Now she did use it. She did fall afoul of the rules and the rules are that you get a suspension if you test uh, over a certain threshold for THC. And so really, I think that was fair what they did, but I don't think that it should be even, it shouldn't have even been a question in the first place. I have to give big props to Shakari for how she handled herself. And, you know, when I talk about, uh, when I, I wrote a book called The Champion Mindset, and one of the things I talk about in my book is taking ownership. And she did that. So many people who fail drug tests for whatever drug it is, um, come up with lots of excuses or I didn't do it. And they try and really back away from what happened. And she just stepped right up and said, you know, I was dealing with some stuff and I was having a hard time. I was in a legal state. Yes, I took it. Um, I'm going to take my punishment and I'm young and I'm going to be successful. And you're going to see me win lots of, you know, lots of things on the world stage. And I was just so impressed with that. A couple of things I want to follow up on there. And, and let's start with that and Shakari's reaction. I, I would agree with you. She made no excuses. She admitted what she had done and she knew the rule. I guess I personally wanted to see her fight for this moment a little more and point out at the very least the hypocrisy of the water rule. Because according to that rule, to be on the banned list, you have to qualify two out of these three qualifications, which one, it poses a health risk to the athlete. Two is it's performance enhancing. Or three, it violates the spirit of the sport. Does it violate any of those three in your opinion and according to the science? I mean, in my opinion, I don't think it does. They allow alcohol and tobacco. And so I think it's very hypocrit uh, hypocritical uh, to put cannabis in, uh, you know, that doping category that it meets those, at least two of those three things when alcohol has no medicinal purposes whatsoever, while cannabis does and it's proven so far you know, there's still a lot of research that needs to be done with cannabis, but we know that there are some health benefits to, to cannabis. And one of the articles that uh, WADA, the World Anti-Doping, likes to cite is from 2011. That's 10 years ago. That's so outdated. They're not working on research that is recent, that is, you know, really up to date. And I think that's unfair to the athletes. 
Well, unfortunately, violating the spirit of sport is just kind of a BS catch-all with no definition, so it's impossible to prove that wrong. Um, but does cannabis either pose a health risk to an athlete, or is there any science suggesting proving it is at all performance enhancing? I think I would say at this point, the, the answer to whether it poses a health risk, maybe. I mean, there's, there's nothing that you take that is perfectly healthful that won't cause any problems. Uh, I've done several survey studies on cannabis looking at both the benefits and the adverse effects. And we did a study in athletes and certainly there are some adverse effects. Um, people can have anxiety from it. They can uh, get psychosis. It's rare. Um, you can have some heart issues. So yes, you can have some adverse effects, but there's no medication whether it's banned or not banned. I mean, you could be taking asthma medication and it could raise your heart rate, or you could take some other medication and it gives you a stomach ache. So th there's no such thing as a medication without a side effect. So I, I just, I don't see how that really is any different than anything else. In terms of whether it's performance enhancing, that too has not been proven. And in our study, very few athletes thought that it was performance enhancing and there are no studies out there right now that show that it's performance enhancing. Is there an effort to take it off the water list and what has been their reaction to it? Well, that I don't know. And uh, I, do, I do know that there are studies that are ongoing looking at cannabis use in athletes to answer this question of whether or not it's performance enhancing. The NFL just put out uh, an RFA uh, for a million dollars to fund five studies to look at cannabis use in athletes and whether or not it could be a substitute for opioids. And they also want to understand whether or not that's performance enhancing. And we actually are hoping to get one of the grants through there because it's something we're very, very interested in learning. Um, you know, it could be performance enhancing in a secondary way. You know, if you can get better sleep, if you can reduce your anxiety, if you can take away pain, that's gonna help your performance. But there are already drugs that people are taking that do that. They're taking non-steroidals, they're taking antidepressants, they're taking anti-anxiety medications. So there are already medications that cannabis is akin to with less side effects that do the same thing. So I, I really can't say that it's more performance enhancing than anything else somebody might be taking. Well, Megan Rampino, the U.S. women's soccer star, has spoken about that because, of course, she represents a CBD company and says that she has used CBD to help her training for years, as has uh, several other athletes at the Olympics, one hurdler, one softball player, and Sue Bird, of course, who she's engaged to be married to, the U.S. women's basketball star. And they can take CBD all the way up to the point that they left, but they can't bring it to Japan because cannabis is illegal there like it is around the world. But this is actually the first Olympics where there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of competitors who use CBD in preparation. And Megan says specifically to relieve stress, anxiety, to help her sleep better. Shouldn't that be something the entire Olympic community and WADA support? I, I would think so. I mean, athletes are held to a standard that is almost unfair. Uh, I understand that we wanna keep the playing field level. Well, the playing field's never level. Uh, and certainly we don't want athletes doping. Uh, I wouldn't put cannabis anywhere near the same 
uh, doping as EPO or steroids or some of these other drugs that athletes are taking. And the health and well-being of, of athletes is just put on the back burner. Well, you, you don't take any supplements because you don't know what's in it and you have to be responsible what, for what's in your body and don't take this and don't do that. And people forget that athletes are human beings, you know, athletes are not robots and, and athletes have all the same problems as everybody else, maybe even magnified because they're working their bodies so hard. So why shouldn't athletes have the same opportunity to take things to make them feel better? Of course, the Olympics are different than any other sport in that the, they have that international um, appeal. And besides, I think Canada, uh, Mexico, South Africa, not many other major nations in the world have legal cannabis. So that's going to be very difficult, isn't it, to get it off the water list if, if you're going to get arrested for bringing the thing you're allowed to take to the Olympics around the world. It certainly makes it difficult given that every country has their own rules uh, around cannabis. And I know the WHO has started um, relaxing their stance on cannabis, which will hopefully spread so that countries start uh, not making it illegal. Yeah, I mean, the, the next Olympics after Tokyo are in Beijing and no one wants to get arrested in Beijing, that to say the very least. So um, getting back to Shakiri real quickly, there was that, and then there was the fact that the U.S. Track and Field Federation could have selected her for the 4 by 100 meter relay. It would have fallen outside her suspension. And clearly, the THC would have had nothing to do with impacting that. Were you disappointed by the decision not to put the fastest U.S. woman on the 4 by 100 meter relay team? Of course, it's really disappointing. She is so much fun to watch. She's quite the character. And... You know, I just love her exuberance and her flair when she's out there. But I'm not surprised that the decision was made not to put her on the relay. And that's because her results from the Olympic trials are negated based on her suspension. So really, it's like she wasn't even there. You know, it's just wiped off the list. You know, it's like everybody moves up a spot and she's vanished from the results. So in that respect, she really probably wasn't even eligible truly to be on the relay because she, you know, for all intents and purposes, didn't compete in the Olympic trials. Would have been a strong statement, though, of support and, and acknowledging she is among the fastest women in the country. And I was surprised by the corporate reaction out there. I guess Nike offered some mild, vague show of support. Beats by Dre, on the other hand, came out and and built a commercial for her after the suspension. Where will change come from? Is it going to be the athletes? Is it going to be um, at the ground level? Or could it be from corporations? I mean, Nike is in Oregon, where it is, of course, is legal, where she did ingest that. Will corporations lead the way for change? I think it's going to be a little bit of everything. It's going to be more research. It's going to be finding that funding for the research Every single journal article that you read, any lay paper that you read, all says we need re more research. But then when you try to go find the funding for the research, everybody turns their head and is like, oh, I don't want to get involved with that. So, yeah, there's that, that really huge disconnect between the need for research and the ability to get it done. So that's going to be one, is, is having more research. Two is going to be the athletes really standing up for themselves and um 
really making it known that this is something that they want taken off the banned list that they need for their health and well-being, uh, particularly for head injuries. CBD is looking to be um, very uh, helpful for people with uh, multiple concussions. And so athletes are going to start understanding that for their health and well-being, they, they may need cannabis in some form. It's going to be corporations standing behind their athletes. So I think it's going to be coming from multiple places all at once and finally having this cohesion and everybody getting on the same page and saying, you know what, the, the health and well-being of athletes really matters, you know, yeah. the ones that are out there entertaining us and we're putting them under, you know, we're asking them to do things that are inhumane and we're not giving them the resources to be able to do it correctly. It was an outstanding show of support from the, the sports community as a whole. High-profile athletes, Patrick Mahomes, one of the most visible athletes on the planet, came to Shakari's support. That was nice. I think it would have been helpful, frankly, if there were a few more white athletes, uh, a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, just to change that stigma a little bit because it doesn't seem to be wearing away. Although you mentioned the million dollars the NFL has committed they are no longer suspending athletes for initial tests. The, the NBA has come a long way, testing less, not suspending athletes. The NHL and MLB are following suit. How optimistic are you about the moves of the major U.S. leagues to really stop punishing athletes for something they know some of them need? I, th I think it's a really good start. I am part of an organization called Athletes for Care, and it uh, is a group that um, is for athletes who have been prof prof bleh, can't speak professional athletes who are transitioning out of their professional career, and a lot. Of, and there's a very big cannabis sort of bent to it because a lot of the athletes have come out of their professional career just battered, and they talk about how cannabis has just saved them. And that was really my first introduction to speaking with people coming out of the NHL and the NFL and in the NBA and how hard it's, I mean, obviously you read stories and you watch it and you see what's happening out on the field, but to actually hear firsthand the, the levels of anxiety and the addiction and the pain and all of these things that the athletes are experiencing once they're done and how cannabis has been yeah. instrumental in bringing them back to a fulfilled life it only has made my uh, desire to do research into this stronger because we don't want people to suffer. That's just not the goal. The goal isn't to watch athletes do incredible things, beat each other up, and then live a life of suffering afterwards. That's just a, a, a terrible thought. So yeah, we, we spoke need to protect these people. We spoke to Calvin Johnson. Most people know him as Megatron, who will enter the Hall of Fame next month to my knowledge, as the first guy to enter the Hall of Fame as a cannabis business owner, a guy who gets his hands dirty, who is very knowledgeable on the product and told me, doctor, that he's going to mention it in his Hall of Fame speech, which I think will be an absolute game changer for the movement and for the industry as well. I hope he sticks to that because that would be a courageous stance. And he said he used it throughout his NFL career. It was the only way he found he could deal with the being knocked around and the, and the concussions, he didn't like the handfuls. And doctor, he said handfuls. And athletes have told me numerous times that it was candy, Percocet, Vicodin, and far stronger 
pills, the opioids, how concerned are you about the amount of opioids being handed out across professional sports leagues? When I first heard stories about that, I was blown away that it's just like you're describing, handed out like candy in yeah. dishes in the locker room. And, and so, yes, it's not surprising that a lot of these guys are coming out addicted when they're just being given so much of it. And then, hey, go play and we'll give you some more afterwards to take care of your post-game pain. And so if cannabis can be the substitute for that, why not? Cannabis just, you know, there aren't overdose deaths from cannabis the way there are from, from opioids. And I just think that athletes should, if they want to use cannabis, should have the opportunity to do so. He told us 75% by his estimation in his time were using cannabis. And he said he thinks it's gone up. Paul Pierce, who's a soon-to-be Hall of Famer in the NBA, said he thinks it was 80 to 90% in the NBA. So I guess that tells you a lot about how the leagues have at least been looking the other way in recent years. Otherwise, the suspensions would just be coming nonstop. You mentioned the group Athletes for Care and all these former professional athletes coming out of the closet, if you will. I wonder if it all is like what we're seeing. We just had an NHL player come out of the closet, an NFL player come out of the closet. How important would it be, not talking about sexuality, but for a current player to take that courageous stance of saying, I use cannabis, I play for the Broncos or the Chiefs or the Raiders, and it's the only way I get back out there on that field. He could do so at great sacrifice, but how important might that be for, for science and for the movement? I think that there's still a lot of fear around doing that. Um, I do recall, I don't know the name of the football player, but I do think that either last year or the year before, one of the players retired because he just wanted to be able to use cannabis and knew that he couldn't and decided that it was more important for his health to be able to use cannabis than to play. And so I think that if there becomes some solidarity among players, I don't think that you'll have one player that's just going to come right out and say, you know, I'm using cannabis. I think it's going to be a lot of players coming out together. And I'm hoping that with this NFL RFA, that it will put more attention to the plight of the players and the cannabis use and that it, it might destigmatize it a little bit among the players and they might be less afraid to come out and talk about using it if the front office, you know, the people that make decisions become, uh, you know, a little bit more open about cannabis. Right now, I think it's tolerated, but not understood or seen as a health benefit. And something has to change so that it is seen as a health benefit and not just something people are taking just to take it. You talk about destigmatizing, and that's really our goal here. What part of the stigma around cannabis, around marijuana, as, as most people know it, bothers you the most? And would you most like to push back on that narrative? Well, I'm gonna tell you how everybody has a story about how they got started in cannabis and I'll tell you mine. I actually um, spent eight years at the Institute for Behavioral Genetics doing uh, drug abuse research. I was studying uh, adolescents and young adult use and how that impacts use over time. And one of, the, one of the drugs I studied was marijuana. And one of the jokes I like to make is that when you're studying the negative effects of the plant, you call it marijuana research. And when you're sort of studying in a more neutral manner, it's cannabis research. So yeah. I used to study marijuana and now I study cannabis. And at the time uh, I was still competing as a professional triathlete. 
And so I really had stigma coming at me from very different directions. One was the research I was doing and the um, environment that I was in, there was the gateway theory that if you used, can used cannabis, it was gonna lead to harder drug use. Um, it was never, ever, ever discussed that there could be medicinal properties to it. It was only this bad thing that you didn't want people using. So through my work, I was seeing this very negative side of it. And as a professional athlete, it was banned in all forms, CBD, THC, it wasn't a threshold drug, it was just banned. So in my mind, cannabis was this nefarious, horrible thing that you stayed away from. I had a horrible bike accident in 2009. In 2008, I won the world championships. And when I went back to defend my title, I had a bike accident during the race. I was reaching for a water bottle. The person who was handing me the bottle did not let go and pulled me off my bike. I broke uh. my collarbone and I did really severe permanent structural and neuropathic damage to my rib cage. So I was, went from being basically, you know, on top of the world, uh, you know, the best triathlete in the world, winning a world championship to now being a chronic pain patient in a split second. And I tried everything. They were throwing all kinds of drugs at me and nothing was really working. I couldn't sleep. I was having muscle spasms. I had pain. Um, I had nausea. I had a hard time eating. It was just a disaster. And I live in Colorado. It was legal here medically. And my husband kept saying to me, you gotta try it. You gotta try it. And I'm like, I can't, it's terrible for you. It's a bad drug. Uh, you know, I'm gonna get addicted to it. There's, there's just no way. And then finally in 2014, it became legal um, recreationally here. And it, it lifted one of the stigmas. And that was, where do I get a medical card from? I'm embarrassed to talk to a doctor about it. Mm -hmm. you know, here I am, this Olympian with a PhD. Like it just was horrifying to me to talk to a doctor about wanting to use cannabis. It just felt very wrong. So when the recreational dispensaries opened, marched on in and I'm like, well, I've got this and this and this, what do you have for me? And like, oh, well, you know, here's a patch for your pain and take this edible for sleep. And I, I can't smoke or vape it because I've got asthma. And uh, nobody told me to cut up the patch. I just slapped this whole patch on my leg and man, did I get high, like really, really high, too high, uncomfortably high. Yeah, but been there. And because I slept and as a, as a scientist, I, I ignored the fact that I didn't like the fact that I was too high. I focused on the fact that I slept. And that's when I started doing research on cannabis and saw that there was really just no medical research whatsoever on what it could do. And as an epidemiologist, I realized that I was in a position to start looking at it in a more unbiased manner. Yes, it's not the panacea. It's not the drug for everyone. It's not going to fix everything. There are some adverse effects and I wanted to look at it in this unbiased way. What are the positives? What are the negatives and how can we get people using it in the most helpful way for what they want? And, and that's how I started doing cannabis research instead of marijuana research. It's funny to hear you say that because I, I never thought about it, but I think I would say I used to smoke marijuana. I now use cannabis. The product hasn't changed, but perhaps how I use it, I suppose has. So what's been the biggest surprise? I didn't realize you came to it that late. What surprised you the most? Um, using cannabis? Yes. Um, I think several things have surprised me. I mean, you know, one of the things that it's primarily had been used for in the past is for cancer patients, for nausea and for appetite. And those are two things I struggle with very, very deeply. 
and it is miraculous for nausea and appetite. I mean, I could um, ha just feel very sick and not want to be able to eat because the nausea is so strong and I'll take uh, you know, some amount of cannabis and all of a sudden I'm very hungry and I can eat. And, and so for me, it's like life-sustaining. And um, it's just, and, and also you know, now with the different ratios of CBD and THC that you can use it in ways to microdose throughout the day so that you can get the benefit of it without being high. And that it's not always about the high and that people can really recognize, you know, based on the studies that we've done, that people really do understand when they're using it medically and when they're using it recreationally. And some people use it for both reasons. Um, some people just use it for recreation and some people just use it medically, but people really do understand why they're using it and what it's doing for them. Even if they don't fully understand how much they're taking because the labeling is terrible and people really don't have much of a clue how, how much they're taking unless they're a very savvy user, but yeah. people do understand it's doing something beneficial for them. I fall into the both category, use it for back pain and just honestly use it for anxiety as well. And some nights they're just fun to sit around the fire pit with friends. As we close this, how optimistic are you of federal legalization? How far off do you think it is? I think we'll, we'll eventually see federal legalization. Uh, things are changing slowly but surely. Uh, the University of Mississippi had all of the cannabis that was used for research in the United States, and it has been proven to be, um, how can I say this nicely? It's shit. And um, any, any research who has used the, the cannabis from the University of Mississippi has been very disappointed. And they're finally now opening up uh, cannabis growth to other companies, and so they won't have the monopoly. That's a very good thing. Uh, so things are changing slowly but surely. Uh, it will be eventually federally legal, but I can't give you a time frame. It's just too hard to know. Yeah, I think a lot of people were disappointed that it clearly was not going to happen under the Biden administration. I think still no. looking at maybe 10 years away, but 18 states is certainly some real progress. Mention the Olympics are underway and that you, of course, are a 2000 triathlete at the Summer Games. You're doing some commentating on Monday. Tell us about that. Yes, I uh, was asked to do some pre and post race commentating uh, for Triathlete Magazine uh, for the Women's Triathlon, which is on Monday. So I'm very excited about that, even though I am no longer a competitor in the sport of triathlon, I'm actually a coach and I've been coaching for almost 20 years. Uh, so in addition to my research, I, I coach multi-sport athletes and uh, I'm just a triathlete at heart. I love the sport, still follow it closely and, and watch it closely and very excited to see the women's, men's and mixed triathlon relay next week. And that's on the USA Triathlon Facebook Live page Monday? Yep, it is. Okay, you'll see all the information there and check them out. The Canna Research Foundation, Dr. Joanna Zeiger is the CEO and she's also the author of Check Out the Book. It is a terrific one, The Champion Mindset. It's been a real pleasure having you. Thanks so much for being with us. Can't wait to be back in one of the great towns in America, Boulder, Colorado. So jealous you get to spend every day there. Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.